You're listening to the Adult Spoil the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and I'm also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by Brandon Hiltabidal. He's the director of discipleship at LifeWay. Brandon, thank you for being with us today. So excited to be here, Dwayne. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be looking at session three for the winter 2020-21 study of Luke. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter two, verses four through 19. One of the most recognized stories in the gospel of Luke is the birth of Christ and the, uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds. We're going to talk more about how we deal with a, teaching a common story um, here a little bit later on. So Brandon, you can start thinking about that, but I'm just going to walk through this passage uh, in verses four through seven, we find Joseph taking Mary to Bethlehem to register for a census decreed by Caesar Augustus. While in the village, Mary delivers Jesus and placed him in a manger because all the guest rooms have been taken in the city. We've entitled that particular section, Fulfilled, and the main point there is that the circumstances of Jesus' birth fulfilled prophecy about the Messiah. In verses eight through 14, we find an angel appearing to a group of shepherds and announcing the birth of Jesus. The angel declared that the news was for all people and the shepherds would find the baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. A multitude of angels then joined the angel of the Lord, breaking out in praise of God for his gracious redemption. We've entitled this section, verses 8 through 14, Announced. And the main point here is that Jesus alone is the Savior. In verses 15 through 19, we find that the angels have left the shepherds by themselves, so the shepherds go into the city to find the baby. They found the baby just as the angel had told them, and they shared the angel's message with others who were, who were there, and they were amazed at what they, they were told. And Mary, she meditated on the message. We've entitled this section, Found, verses 15 through 19, and the main point there is that this G Jesus is available to all who seek him. By the way, before I move away from the word amazed, uh, in the personal study guide on the comments on verses uh, uh, 15 through 19, and on day five in the daily discipleship guide, we find this word amazed is highlighted and that Luke uses it 13 times in the gospel and five times in the book of Acts. It's one of his favorite words to use. And the interesting thing about that word is it can mean two different things. It can mean that you were extraordinarily impressed with something, or you can, it can mean that you were disturbed by something. So it can be both positive and negative. So when you think about this particular passage, um, you, you do find people who probably were extraordinarily impressed, the shepherds most likely. You would have to say they were extraordinarily impressed with the story, with what they were seeing. But there were probably folks also who were disturbed by the message they were hearing because it changed their view of what was going to happen uh, over the next, uh, over the course of history. Uh, but Brandon, let's go ahead and deal with this question. This is a common story. Uh, it's the Sunday before Christmas. Yeah. It's the, it's the story you expect us to have. Uh, how can we help our groups look at this story with fresh eyes? Yeah, I think that's maybe more important for this passage than any in the Bible. We are going to talk about this every year. So many people have it memorized. Uh, you know, my 10-year-old daughter will be reading this to us on Christmas morning. And uh, so trying to think of it from 
a fresh perspective. There's probably a lot of ways that could do that you, that you could do that. But I would just say first, like try not to think of it as a famous story. Try to think of it as a real event that really happened to real people and try to put yourself into it. I always love trying to see the events of the Bible from the perspective of multiple people or all people in the story. So what was it like? I mean, you might help your group, you know, wonder out loud, what was it like to, to be Joseph there? And what does Joseph experience teach us about God? Or how could I view the circumstances from the perspective of the shepherds or the angels? And what does that teach me about the gospel? I, I just think that's a helpful way to, to look at text by way of example. Um, I'm preaching on David, David and Goliath this Sunday. And you can learn a lot about how God works through faith and through obedience by how he defeats Goliath, Goliath through David. But you can also learn how God triumphs in spite of our weaknesses and fear. If you look at it from the perspective of the other soldiers who were just scared and who were hiding on the hillside while David actually went into battle and those guys got to win anyway. Right? So how, how can you help your group understand the events of this story in Luke two from the perspective of the di different characters that might be a helpful question to ask. I guess one way to do it would be for you as the teacher to assign, let's say you have, you have, a, you have 10 people in the group. You could assign yeah. some of it, one person to be Joseph, another to be Mary, a couple of folks to be shepherds, a couple of folks to be angels. Uh, you may want to be careful about who you decide to be an angel. Uh, <laughs> uh, you could pick, uh, you could assign folks to be the townspeople. Yeah. And just as you walk through the story, you walk through this event, I hate to use the word story because sometimes we sure. think of it as a story as opposed to a historical event. As you yeah. walk through this passage, have, ask them to uh, look at it through the eyes of the person they've been assigned. And then at the yeah. end, come back and say, okay, now what insights do you have uh, 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 about this particular event? By by just looking at it only yeah. through the eyes of Joseph, through the eyes of yeah, Mary. What, what did God do in them? Yeah. What it, how is the gospel, you know, beautiful in their lives or in their experience in the story? So, yeah. And, and think about how it impacted them. Yeah. And then, then consider uh, uh, the thing that I would do then, I think um, you could do is then say, okay, now we've got Mary, we've got Joseph. We look at our own lives and how this story and how Christ impacts us. Which one of these people do we most identify? Do we most identify with the shepherds, the angels? Yes. Um, and why do we identify with them? Yeah, that's what a is it that, that helps question. me? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then that helps us then connect that identity to Christ. That's great. Um, it, we've got all kinds of facts that are given to us by Luke that are not in the other gospels. Um, how does that help us better understand the birth of Jesus? So, there, I, I imagine there's a lot of ways you, that we can answer this question, and you may want to add some things. But I thought of two, just you know, larger categories immediately when I read this question. Um, and the first is that it just helps us understand that the birth of Jesus is a historical event, as you've already mentioned. It's not a story. This is a historical event. Luke details cities and dates and travel plans and lodging options, and you know he could have just skipped straight just straight to the angels appearing. But he didn't. He gave us all these details. And Tim Keller, uh, one of my favorite preachers, he often points out that the details included in Scripture are in themselves reasons to believe the legitimacy of Scripture. And, and this is interesting. He's, that's because if it were fiction written 2,000 years ago, it wouldn't have sounded like that. 
so I just think this is neat. And this is something that a, that a teacher might include discussing this, but like complex world building detailed fiction is a fairly new literary form. And so Keller says, unless we want to believe that the gospel writers were discovering a new form of fictional literature thousands of years before its time, then we need to recognize that they were viewing their writing as simple reporting, uh, that they were de describing the events as they happen. And that's really encouraging for us that so much of our faith and life and hope rests in Jesus. And this was them just giving a historical record of what was happening. And so the details, you know, essentially help build up uh, the case. And then the other category is it helps us understand that the birth of Jesus, it's not just a historical event, it's a supernatural event. Um, where Jesus was born, the family into which Jesus was born, and so many other circumstances of his birth had been prophesied, had been foretold by God and by the prophets of God. And, you know, it says in our leader guide, the circumstances of Jesus's birth fulfilled prophecy about the Messiah. So we're able to see historical historical facts, but we're also able to see the supernatural fulfillment of God's, you know, forever plan to redeem mankind through the birth of Jesus uh, in the, the facts that are given to us by Luke. He even used a pagan, Caesar Augustus, to yeah. institute his plan to get them into the city of Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. Um, God has no problems getting it done. Nah, nah. And he can even, <laughs> he can use somebody as useless uh, useless or as ruthless, whichever one you want to use, as Caesar Augustus <laughs> That's to make it happen. Yeah. Um, you have the shepherds here. What's yeah. the significance of the shepherds in this story? Why shepherds? Yeah, two things here as well. Um, I think most importantly, and I, you can't really look at this story without highlighting this, but we we see ourselves in the shepherds. That's first and foremost. Um, most people that have been in Luke 2 know that shepherds were not highly esteemed. They were not powerful. I mean, it says in the personal study guide that they were unable to observe traditional religious practices. So, you know, we, everybody listening, we see ourselves in them, lowly, weak, far from God, but the good news of Jesus came to them first. Jesus, what Jesus wanted us to know, he was coming for the needy. Um, and that's us. But we also see in our commentary on page 35, uh, we see that the ministry of, we see the ministry of Jesus uh, in the presence of the shepherds. And I thought that was interesting. Jesus himself is the good shepherd. So perhaps the shepherds were not, not only serving as placeholders for all the weak and needy humanity, such as we are, but also as representatives of the ministry that Jesus would perform as the good shepherd. And that's a neat thought as well. Yeah, who else would you go to? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, in that sense, what you're, what you would be uh, noting is that the shepherds, or excuse me, the angels went to God's people. Yeah. I mean, it's who he is. It's his own folks at that point. For sure. Let's talk, let's think a little bit about the heavenly host, who they were and what their presence tells us about Jesus. This is my favorite question. I think you were uh, wise to, to have this be the last question. Um, I loved the line from the commentary. Uh, it was as though heaven could not be contained in its joy. So, so the presence of the angels of the heavenly host, uh, and more importantly, really, the presence of their worship reminds us that Jesus isn't just a baby. He was God coming to rescue as he had promised. 
And this wasn't just any announcement. This was the good news for which all the world was waiting and on which all the world rests. So the heavenly host is there celebrating the mission of their masters. Remember, Dwayne, last time I was on the podcast, we talked about uh, the Lord of hosts, the oh, yeah. Lord of armies. Yeah. In and, Isaiah. Yeah. Jesus, a baby in a manger was the Lord of hosts come to bring peace on earth and the like the angelic hosts showing up for this moment uh gives it the weightiness and the wonder that obviously it deserves as the most you know the most important birth and arrival in history yeah there's one uh pack item i would point to pack item 10 uh, is suggested to be used in the the teaching plans the group plans and in the leader helps uh it's entitled angelic announcements in luke um, and it looks at the four angelic announcements that are included in Luke. The first one is Gabriel approaching Zechariah and telling him that he and Elizabeth are going to have a child in their old age. That seems pretty simple. Um, uh, it's exciting for Zechariah and Elizabeth, don't get me wrong, but it's a, it's, you're going to have a child. The second announcement is in Luke 1, 26 through 38, which is Gabriel approaching Mary, and he tells Mary that a virgin is going to have a child. Uh, it's going to be known as the son of God. So you have this this first announcement. There's going to be a child. The sec it's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The second one, you're going to be the mother of uh, the Messiah. The son of God is coming. The third announcement is in this particular passage where the angel of the Lord goes to the shepherds. And the summary statement there is that you have a, a proclamation that the savior of the world was born. So I'm bringing this up because there's a progression of greater importance in each one of these messages. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a child coming who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. You're going to be the, give birth to the Messiah through a virgin. And then the savior is here. One of the interesting things is the fourth angelic announcement in that's recorded in Luke is in Luke 24, which we won't study until the spring quarter, but it's two men who are in dazzling clothes standing by the tomb and their mm. proclamation is that he is not here. Um, so if you were to take this particular pack item and just show, here's the four recorded uh, angelic announcements in Luke, notice the progression and it's all working towards the one thing, which is he is not here. He is resurrected. And then she, then those two men in dashing clothes, which are angels call on the women to remember Jesus's promises about the resurrection as proof that he is the Messiah and that he has delivered us from our sin. Um, you see this progression in this, uh, in this pack item that you may not see just, you know, casually glancing through right. the gospel of Luke, but there is a progression in the importance of the announcements that are made by the angels. It's really cool. I'm going to go find to that. The next I'm going to go find that pack item now. <laughs> uh, any other key thoughts or key ideas you would have to share about this particular passage? I don't think so. Uh, I would just say Merry Christmas. It's <laughs> it's real and beautiful. It is. Just before we go, I want to say uh, and direct y'all to Extra. Extra is a, a weekly uh, file that we make available. Uh, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. It's free and it works with the group plans in the adult leader guide and the leader helps in the adult daily discipleship guide. Uh, the way to get to extra is you simply go to the Explore the Bible website and in your browser type, go explorethebible.com 
forward slash leader extras and you'll find the files you're looking for. Brandon, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for listening with us, listening today. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and we hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week as we look at sessions.